Please turn with me in God's holy word to Matthew chapters 6 and 7. Those are chapters that are found in that section we call the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus has an extended discourse or sermon. We want to read this morning about prayer from the scriptures and then look in the Heidelberg Catechism to our confession about what prayer is. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13, first of all. Jesus had just said in chapter 6 there not to do our charitable deeds before the eyes of men, but before the Father. And then he says in Matthew 6, verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then to chapter 7, at verse 7, Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock. And it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. If you'd open up the Smaller Forms and Prayers book in the seat in front of you, we come to page 252. If you're not familiar with the Heidelberg Catechism, this is a document written in the 16th century to be used for instruction in the basics of the Christian faith. And we're in the third section of it, learning how to live a God-pleasing life. We studied the Ten Commandments, and now we're studying prayer, beginning here at Lord's Day 45. Page 252, as we begin the prayer section, at question 116, it asks, Why do Christians need to pray? And the answer is because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who continually and with heartfelt longing 
Ask God for these gifts and thank him for them. How does God want us to pray so that he will listen? First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed himself to us in his word, asking for everything he has commanded us to ask of him. Second, we must fully recognize our need and misery so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshankable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. Question 118, what has God commanded us to ask of him? Everything we need spiritually and physically as embraced in the prayer, Christ our Lord himself taught us. It follows as the Lord's prayer there that we just read. Let's bow before the Lord and ask us he won't Ask if he won't meet us in his word and teach us today. Shall we bow together? <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we bow in prayer to ask you to teach us to pray. We thank you that Christ answered his disciples in the days he walked upon earth, and he is still pleased to answer that petition. Lord Jesus, we pray, then teach us to pray. Help us to know. Help us to be humble. Help us to be willing us to trust in you. Give us your spirit to make us people of prayer, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, people of God, it's a something of a personal question that we asked this morning, the sermon titled, Do You Pray? It's personal because nobody else knows the answer, do they? Whether or not we go to church, everybody knows that. Whether or not we bow our heads and close our eyes in the lunchroom or in the school cafeteria, people know that. But whether or not we pray, who knows that? Who knows that? Whether we pray in secret, who's with us all the time to know if we do? Whether we pray from the heart, whether we're not just mouthing words, but that we pray to God, who knows that? Well, God knows, doesn't he? He knows each and every one of us. He knows whether we pray. He knows it's easy for us to talk about prayer and not to pray. It's easy to say, I'll pray for you, and then never to pray for him. It's easy to sing songs about prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. We have these beautiful songs about prayer. It's easy to sing these songs about prayer, but yet not to pray. It's one thing to pray with the mouth, it's another thing to pray from the heart. It's one thing to be set out to pray and then to have our minds wander or to fall asleep while we're praying. Why is it it so hard to pray? Why is it so difficult to pray? This morning, God in his grace is calling us to prayer. Personally, I'm always thankful when we get back to the section in the catechism. We could have a a study for a couple months on prayer. So good, isn't it, to be reminded again, yes, prayer matters. All the business of life crowds in, and we think it's the one thing we can do without. And we come back here and learn it's the one thing we can't do without. We must pray. It's good to return to study prayer. It's good to remember we're in the third section of the catechism. We are not praying in order to to earn our way into heaven. We're not praying as, as the penalty that we have to bear to cover our sin. 
But we're praying as those who've been saved. Those who are the children of God. Those who are grateful to the Lord. And he's teaching us how to live a God-pleasing life. For prayer is the children of God speaking to their loving Father. It's the joy and confidence of children running to the one who loves them, who seeks them, who's waiting for them. Prayer is wonderful. Prayer is a spectacular privilege. Do you pray? Let's look this morning at the praying that Christ expects. And then at the position that Christ prescribes. And then at the promise that Christ guarantees. The praying, the position, and the promise. Well, Jesus takes it for granted, doesn't he, in Matthew chapter 6. He says in verse 5, and when you pray, or whenever you pray, says it at chapter 6, verse 6 as well, but, but you, when you pray, Christ does not suggest that it's optional. He, he assumes it or he takes it for granted that his people will be a praying people, that prayer will have a significant place in the life of his disciples. When you pray. Maybe boys and girls, mom and dad say, you're not going to talk to mom and dad that way anymore. When you talk to us, you're going to speak this way. And you don't think, well, I'm never going to talk to them again. At least I hope you don't think that. Because talking to mom and dad is part of the normal life of having fellowship with them, of living with them. Jesus says when you pray, it's, it's a normal thing to pray. Normal for the Christian. It's part of the fellowship, part of the family. It's not merely reciting some words to an apathetic ceiling, but it is communicating with the God who has spoken to us. That's what prayer is. Prayer is an essential part of our lives, right? Why do Christians need to pray, we ask in the catechism. We answer because it's the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. Isn't that spectacular? That's a a confession we've made in paper here, but but do we make that from our hearts that prayer is the most important part of my thankful life? Why is it the most important part? I can get a lot more done if I don't have to spend time in prayer, can't I? Doesn't God want me to get stuff done? Well, when it comes to responding to the God of salvation, nothing is, is more direct than to say to God, thank you. There's no more direct way to be thankful than to say thank you to God. Nothing is more basic than that expression. A husband may do many things for his wife. He may think of his wife often, but, but nothing is more direct than to approach her and say thank you or to say I love you. Or you can think of it the opposite way, right? Nothing gives us a quicker sign and a deeper conviction that relationship is broken or, or there's an impediment than when somebody won't talk to us, right? We've all been the victims or the perpetrators of the cold shoulder, right? The silent treatment. And why? What is that about? Well, where the, the friendship is, is broken or fractured in some way, where one of the parties is, is hurt, they don't care to speak anymore, They don't want to give their heart in words to another. They withdraw. They back up. What are we saying to God if we won't speak to him? There's nothing more relational than speaking. We know God through this book. God has spoken to us. 
And God has called us to speak in return to him to respond, to respond, to express our gratitude, to give him our love, to give our hearts to him. Why do Christians need to pray? Because it's the most basic part of thankfulness. If you're thankful, you say so. If you don't say so, you're not thankful. But Christians also need to pray because it's the avenue by which the Holy Spirit and all the riches Christ has obtained for us are received. If you want to read some beautiful words on prayer, you can read the Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin, where he talks about the fact that in the gospel, the treasures are revealed to us, the treasures of Christ and what he's obtained for us. You can almost say it's like a treasure map. As you read the Bible, you see the treasure map. You, you learn of all these buried treasures. But Calvin says it's by prayer that you dig up the treasure. It's by prayer that you dig up the treasure. You make it your own. You take hold of it. We pray because God gives his grace and spirit only to those who continually and with heartfelt longing ask God for these gifts and thank him for them. Prayer is appointed to call down God's blessings. Jesus says you don't have to pray like the heathens with their many words and repetitions. No, he says your Father in heaven already knows what you need before you ask him. But you see, then sometimes we respond, well, if he already knows my need, then why do I need to ask him? And there's things to be said to that. But first of all, just ask this question. Would you rather pray to a God who doesn't know your need? Would you rather pray to a God who, who doesn't know your need? The God who's ignorant and oblivious, and you have to inform and say, look it, I've got a body, my body gets sick, it needs food, I need these. No. What kind of God would that be? We pray to God because he's commanded it, first of all, and because he's glorified in our asking. It's fun, isn't it, to see mothers who even interrupt the conversation we're having with them sometimes. To turn to the little one who's just run up to them. They can't help themselves sometimes. I had something really important I was saying. They just stop and turn. Can't, they can't help themselves. That's their child. When the little one comes running, they're interested. They want to meet the need. They're honored to be called upon by that little, little life saying, Mommy, Mommy. But you see, God's honored. As his little children cry out to him, Father, Father. And God's chosen prayer is the means by which we're going to receive what we need. By the asking. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. God is a God of means. He uses rains to make the seeds germinate. He uses sunshine to make the plant grow. He uses food to sustain your body. It's a terribly unbiblical theology that suggests that God's sovereign and therefore means don't matter. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that in Romans 9 you have the most extended and profound discussion of election in the Bible, Romans chapter 9, but it's followed by Romans 10. What would it say then? Since God will save whom God will save, do nothing. No. It says what? It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Call on the Lord to get saved. Cry out to him in your sin and your need. Yes, he knows our needs before we ask. Yes, he's predisposed to do us good before we ask. We don't have to talk him into it or coerce him. He loves us. And he loves to hear us ask. We don't have to pray as if to inform God or to move his heart or to arouse a sleeping God. But we must pray because God in his sovereignty is appointed to use prayer for the accomplishment of his sovereign will. One Dutch pastor said many years ago, decades ago, that God has placed in the hands of his praying people, he has placed in our folded hands the reins of the universe. It's amazing, isn't it? That when God's people gather and when we cry out to him, there's more power in this little room than there is the whole congressional building in Washington. Because God works through the prayers of his saints. J.C. Ryle in his pamphlet, A Call to Prayer, says, quote, There are wonderful examples in Scripture of the power of prayer. Nothing seems to be too great, too hard, or too difficult for prayer to do. It has obtained things that seemed impossible and out of reach. It has won victories over fire, air, earth, and water. Prayer has opened the Red Sea. Prayer brought water from the rock, bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still. Prayer brought fire from the sky on Elijah's sacrifice. Prayer turned the council of Ahithophel into foolishness. Prayer overthrew the army of Sennacherib, the Assyrian king. Well might Mary, queen of Scots, say, I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. Prayers of the church, prayers of God's people. James 5, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Prayer. Because God needs it? No. Prayer. Because God isn't sovereign? No. But prayer, because the sovereign God has said, I will use prayer to accomplish my purposes. So we pray because God commanded and honors him. We pray because it's the, it's the avenue of appeal by which we dig up the treasures or take hold of the riches of heaven. And we pray. Well, Calvin said it like this. He says prayer is actually more for us than it is for God. Prayer is really more about us in a certain sense than about God. It does more for us because prayer changes us, doesn't it? Prayer teaches us to depend upon the Lord. To rest in the Lord. Prayer arouses us to seek God. In prayer, our truest desires are tested. As we bring our petitions before God, they are examined. As we seek to lay these before God, we come more to more to the realization that I'm seeking things for my own sake and not his sake. So in prayer, I'm being sanctified. In prayer, my heart's being trained to rest in the Lord. In prayer, I'm being prepared to receive the gifts with a thankful heart. In prayer, I'm learning to honor the Lord. Do you pray? Jesus prayed, didn't he? It's remarkable, isn't it? The testimony in the gospel accounts of Christ in prayer. Our Savior prayed. 
And he's come to create a praying people. Jesus says, when you pray, because he's the Lord of this kingdom. He is the greater than Moses who's come to the mount to declare God's law of his kingdom to us. And he's making us to be a people who are a priestly people, a praying people. If we will not pray, we will not be saved. Call upon the Lord and you shall be saved. But we see the praying that Christ expects. But how should we do that? Let's look secondly at the posture that Christ prescribes. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Jesus, in these verses, is speaking against hypocrisy. People doing these works of giving or praying for the praise of men. Christ is saying, I want your eyes not to be upon men, but upon your Father. Certainly not forbidding here that we should pray publicly. In fact, elsewhere the Bible commands it. Psalm 107, for example, let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. We do that in our songs, in our prayers. In fact, you know, songs are just prayers. I don't know if you If you recognize that, when we sing, we are praying. We are speaking to God, right? We're exalting him. Jesus commands public prayer in that sense. But he wants our attention, he wants our eyes to be upon God and not upon man. We should prefer a place alone with the Lord instead of standing on the street to get the praise of men, he's saying. It's about the posture of the heart. Or as William Hendrickson says, it's not so much about secrecy, in these words Jesus speaks, going in your inner chamber, not so much about secrecy, but about sincerity. Sincerity. Ironically, to seek one's own glory in prayer is the opposite of what prayer is, because prayer is supposed to be saying, I have nothing but you, God. I need everything from you. I need you. So Christ says, go into your inner chamber, go into your room, go into that storage closet, shut the door, lock the door, be alone with God and pray. So the catechism is getting at when the catechism says that we must pray. Question and answer 117. First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who's revealed himself in his word. From the heart to God. Do we believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him? Do we come before God, willing to be searched. True prayer is to lay down all the shields and all the masks and to come before God and say, Lord, you search me. I want to speak from the heart to you and I come as a needy sinner. I need you to reveal my sin. I don't come to hide from you my need, but to declare my need and to learn my need. I come to meet with the living God. God's not impressed with a a mere form. Outward words are kind of cool formalism that we just go through these motions and do this duty of prayer. He wants us to pray from the heart. Jesus told the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Pharisee prayed, didn't he? Oh, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like these other men. He was full of himself, he was conceited, he was self satisfied. 
Tax collector stood a ways off, would not look to heaven, beat his chest, had but one line, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. And whose prayer was heard? Whose prayer was heard? Well, Jesus says it's the the tax collector that went home justified. Father is in secret. Your Father sees in secret. Your Father sees you in the hidden room. The Father sees the hiddenness of your heart, and your Father knows. It's really when praying becomes praying, when we're convinced that God sees us, that God is present, that God will receive me in Christ, and that I need him. I need him. So it's the greatest struggle to our prayers, I think, is our lack of neediness. Not that we aren't needy, but that we don't know we're needy. If we could pray for anything during an inflation, wouldn't it be that the financial stresses would make us aware that we're needy? Just talking to a minister at the Mid-America board meeting, talking about churches in America, talking about churches and evening worship services. Many churches have have quit the evening service, though. It used to be filled up in our land with evening worship. Where has it gone? Well, he suggested that we've we've come to a different place in spirituality, right? We're at a low ebb. In the days of the Reformation, Calvin was preaching every day of the week. People were coming before work. They were coming to hear the word. People were hungry. People were needy. Do we have a need? Do we pray? If we don't pray, we're not needy. We don't think we're needy. We have to pray to know our need, don't we? Lord, keep us from our own conceit. Keep us from our self-sufficiency. Lord, help me to know that I need everything from you. Only those who ask receive. Only those who seek find. Only those who knock will see the door open to them. What if we stand in the cafeteria line and read the big menu on the board up there? But we never place the order. Well, then we're not hungry, are we? We don't really believe that we need any food. The gospel shows to us the riches, all that Christ has obtained for us. And if we can't find the time to ask God to give us what God has promised us in Jesus, then we're just not hungry, are we? Do you pray? Do you pray from the heart to the one true God who has revealed himself? But as Christ convicts us and leads us to do that, what a promise he gives us. Notice that finally this morning, the promise that Christ guarantees. Jesus says in verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God will reward you. You won't be disappointed. 
How can Jesus say that? Doesn't he know who I am? Doesn't he know the things I've done? Doesn't he know the barrier between me and God due to my sin? Doesn't he know I deserve nothing from God? I have no claim upon him? Jesus says, you have no claim, but I'm I'm giving you my name. I'm on the way to the cross to take away your sin. I'm on the way to open the gates of glory to you. I'm on on the way to reconcile you to the Father, to, to purchase for you the grace of adoption by which you are made God's children. This is why you don't need vain repetitions like the pagans do. You don't have to appease God. You don't have to talk God into it. You don't have to force his hand. You aren't the prophets of Baal. You have to cut yourself to say, God... I'm really serious. I'm willing to kill my body. No, you're the children of the living Father. I met a man on the airplane yesterday who told me his view was just that there's, well, he believes in karma, he said. I really just believe he was a, he's a Coast Guard guy, and he, he loves his job of saving people's life. He works in the helicopter He believes that if he does good, then ultimately good will come back to him. He said, that's just just what I think. I said, well, would you like to know something more sure than just what you think? Would you you like something you'd be confident in, something you'd be assured of, not just hope maybe it will work out? Jesus Christ has opened a way. We deserve nothing. But with Christ is everything. I also learned in the airport this week how the other half live. Saw one of these airport club lounges where if you fly enough or subscribe or whatever, you get to go in these places. I had no idea. In the Chicago O'Hare, they, they put in, it just opened up this week, one of the most glamorous places. Looked nicer than any fancy restaurant you've ever been to. But behind a couple of doors is a little foyer where you have to check in. And then once you walk around the corner, it just opens up, expansive. Must be 150 feet of glass. Windows 20 feet high looking over the tarmac. And then plush seating throughout. And buffet and, and all kinds of beverages. And it's all complimentary. Most luxurious bathrooms you've seen. And I saw a lady in front of me get turned away. No, I'm sorry, ma'am. Well, I just thought if I... No, I'm sorry, ma'am. Well, I thought maybe... No, I'm sorry, ma'am. Okay, she says. Yeah, he says, well, it didn't hurt trying, did it? (laughs) Out she went. But I came in. And yeah, you're wondering, how did that poor guy get in? Well, I met a friend on the airplane. And he flies a lot. And he said that he'd get me in as a guest. And I, standing next to him, you know what? I walked right in. He checked in and we walked right in. And suddenly, all this food was mine. The poor lady had no friend. Sorry, ma'am. Goodbye. But this poor soul had a friend. Jesus Christ is our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus All the riches of the gospel. All the wealth of heaven. All the favor of God. All the tender love of the Father who wants to bend over and give to the needy ones who run to him. It's all ours. 
not because of us, but because we belong to Jesus. Because our friend brings us into God's presence. Because our meteors open the, the door. Because our high priest ushers our prayers in to the presence of God. And now it's all yours. The run of the Father's house, it's all yours. We must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. Do you pray? Do you pray in faith? Do you pray with confidence? Do you pray with expectation? God will hear me for Christ's sake. Calvin writes, nothing is better adapt to excite us to prayer than a full conviction that we shall be heard. We don't pray because we don't believe God will hear us. We don't believe God is listening. Oh, but when we believe that, Suddenly prayer is no wasted exercise, no wasted breath. Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has bent his ear to us. And he's more attentive than the most loving mother. He he can't stop himself, as it were. As soon as you approach, he's bending down. Just say it. What do you need? Because he's made us his own children through Christ. And we are the brothers and sisters of his well-loved son. We're adopted by grace. Christ has washed us clean. He's cleansed our record. He's restored us to God's favor. And God will surely hear us. Do you believe that? If you don't have that conviction that God will hear your prayer, you ask yourself, have you called upon God the first time? Not simply outwardly, not simply externally, but have you from the heart called upon God? Have you as a sinner cried out to God for mercy? Have you acknowledged before the Lord that you've broken his law? You have nothing but desolation in yourself and God's eternal condemnation, but you are trusting now in the Lord Jesus. Forgive me, save me, rescue me. I put my hope in you. God will hear. He will hear that prayer, and he will reward you openly. For all who have done that, This is the battle to which we're called again and again as we bow our heads. That God would cause us to know our needs, but also to know what we have in Christ. So that when Satan comes and saying, what a waste of time. What are you doing squandering your time here in this worthless exercise? No one but the ceiling is listening to you. Then we rise up in faith and say, oh no. I will take my Lord Jesus at his word. Your father who sees in secret, will reward you. He will bless you. He will answer you. He is the God who hears prayer. The people of God, this is our lifelong calling and our lifelong struggle. This is the battle which we're called both to pray and to work at praying. Saints of the Lord, don't give up, but renew your commitment. Study hard in these coming weeks as we learn about prayer. Take it to heart. Implement it in your daily life. 
Pray, pray, pray. Pray not as a great burden so that you won't feel guilty. Pray not as a a great tool of coercion to get God to care about you. Pray not as some work by which you're going to earn God's favor at last. But pray as a child, son, a daughter, who knows I am loved. I am accepted. I have free access to the God who loves me in Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, what an unspeakable privilege to call upon you to have an audience with the one. Father, we acknowledge that we stumble and we fail in our praying. We believe we can get for ourselves what we need. We doubt that you would hear us. We compare you to people have turned us away or been blind to our needs. But, oh God, you are utterly different. We thank you, God, that you are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we are your sons and daughters for his sake. And we pray you forgive us where we've been careless or prayerless and that you would help us as we study prayer to grow in that grace of calling upon you. May you be praised in that and honored as we do that. May we grow in our trust and in our gratitude. And may we, Lord, have the things that we need in this life and the life to come. In Jesus' name, we pray these things with the conviction that you hear us for his sake. Amen.